How are y'all? Thanks for being here this morning. We obviously have vacations going on, and I know of quite a few families. You know, it's funny in this day of social media, it's pretty clear to see who's out and about because they just post it all over Instagram and Facebook and, and this and that. And so uh, it's always nice to get away. I feel like, you know, I've been gone pretty much the month of July is what it felt like. And uh, it's good to be back. We were out in Michigan and uh, Ohio this past week. And I know a lot of you are praying. Just so you know, a little report, the, the visit Katie May had with her, uh, with her crib mate, it was just was awesome. And it was, it was really overwhelming for, for Karen and I to kind of relive 10 years ago. You know, we, they brought out the baby books and they recreated pictures that the two of them had together, uh, Katie May and, and Mia. And uh, I don't think Katie would mind me sharing this. You know, she, she uh, immediately got her little iPod out, took a picture of all three of them and she made it her cover. She put it right on the top. So it was obviously a very special thing. She's not the most, you know, vocal about her feelings and such, but I, we could tell that it was a pretty special time for her to be with someone who was with her from, from the beginning in China. It was, it was special. So thank you for praying. I know many of you were praying and wondering how that went, so I wanted to report. The wedding went well. Uh, I'm just going to kind of tell you, I, I, hate might be a strong word, but man, weddings stress me out like nobody's business. You got one shot. If I have a bad Sunday with you guys here in the pulpit, I can make it up next week by God's grace, right? But you mess up a wedding, oh man, the mother of the bride and the family, they're just going to rip your head off, you feel like. And uh, so you just like sit there all scared, but it went really well. So um, I'm, I'm thankful that, that that went well, but my family will test that I was a wreck till we got that done and then a little bit of vacation started afterwards. So anyways, I just appreciate uh, all of you and uh, your prayers for us and allowing us to get away and, and then also just allowing me to bring God's word. It's a privilege to, to bring God's word to you and to preach it and teach it and you suffer through it a little bit with me, but that's all right. So it's been a few weeks since we started this current section of Ephesians, so I'd like to open in prayer and then we'll do a little quick review just so we know that we're on track and uh, we'll see what God's word has in store for us this morning. Gracious Father, we thank you for this morning. Lord, we thank you for just the beautiful day that it is. Father, as we, as we awake this morning, the sun rises again and the new day starts. Father, I think of a new day happening and you've made us new, which is where we're at in Scripture. It's what we're studying, that you've made us new. And so we put on the new self. And so, Father, thank you for the work that you've done in our lives by your mercy and by your grace. Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die for our sins, to pay our penalty so that we might have righteousness that we would never earn or deserve on our own, but we get it from Christ in the work on the cross. So Father, this morning as we look into your word, Lord, we know that as being made new that you have empowered us, you have given us your spirit to do what you have commanded us to do. And so Father, this isn't really works that we do on our own effort, but it's your power working within us and so, Father, may we see what you have us to do. We see what you've commanded, and may we joyfully receive what you have called us to do. And by your grace, we will be obedient servants, living lives that are pleasing to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Yeah, it has been quite a few weeks since we started this, this current section of where we are in, in chapter four, and I can't believe summer is really pretty much over, you know that? I mean, uh, school has already started for the high schoolers this past Thursday, so they've already had two days of school. Uh, in, in a week from tomorrow, Katie May is starting middle school, which is making me, and I can't speak for Karen, but Katie May starting middle school is one of those life events that makes me feel old. I cannot believe that my little one is going to be in middle school. And it's kind of, it's kind of bothering me. What's that? You are. I, I robbed the cradle just so you all know. Um, I married up too, that's for sure. But um, it's been a good and crazy summer. But what we've been learning and what we've, what we've been studying really can be summed up, and I hit this two weeks ago, we are to put off the old self and we are to put on the new self. Let's read, read that text that says that Ephesians chapter 4. And look at verse uh, 20 through 24. But that is not the way you learn Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. You know, I'm, uh, I am a youth pastor. I mean, that's what I've done for 20-something years is most of my teaching has been to youth. And so I'm always thinking of illustrations. And maybe some of my illustrations bother you. Maybe some of them work. Maybe some of them don't. But the one I want to talk about today is, is this. There's a movie that I really, really enjoy. And I don't know about you, so I even own it on DVD. But when I'm flipping channels, even though I own it on DVD, if it's on like a channel, I stop and watch it. And then my kids are like, Dad, there's commercials. Why are you watching this? We have it on DVD. I don't want to get up and put the DVD in. I'm just going to watch it now. And the movie is called The Rookie. And uh, The Rookie is based on a true story of a man named Jimmy Morris. Jim Morris was a high school teacher and a baseball coach. And he had played some minor league baseball, but a shoulder injury ended his career. Uh, before making it into the majors and doing anything of real huge significance in baseball. Well, he's the baseball coach, and he's trying to motivate the team. And the team says, hey, coach, if we win district, you need to try out because you can still bring heat. You still have it. We think you could play still. And he's removed from the game for 20 years. Well, the team wins district, and he tries out. And we find out he throws the ball really well, and he ends up signing a minor league contract and the movie does a really good job of showing the grind of minor leagues. Now, sometimes we think, hey, if I could just play baseball on any level, let, let me tell you, like, pretty soon Connor, you know how he's playing for the San Jose Giants? He's still in buses, and he's still living in people's homes or crummy hotels. It is not the glamorous life that you think. It's hard, and they show this, and they show the grind. He's older, he's with all these young kids who still have energy. He's sore, he wants to quit. He's tired of the bus. But he perseveres, and then finally, he gets the call that moves him up to the big leagues. Now, every time I watch this movie, I love this part, because they fly him to Texas, and he arrives at the stadium before the rest of his team. And as he gets there, he walks in, and in ballparks when you're a professional, like to move from the minors to the big show, it's a huge jump. It's carpet, it's clean, it's, everything's laid out for you. Your uniform is ironed, and he enters the locker room, and he sees his locker, and right there is his uniform that has his name, Morris, 
and it has his number. And he gets to put on the uniform of the Temple Bay race. Can you imagine like the excitement that there is? He's taking the old uniform of the miners and that's gone and he gets to put on the major league uniform. See, that's the idea that we're talking about, about putting off and putting on. But it's even better than that. We're not even in the minor leagues. We're dead in our sins. Our old self is corrupt and it's deceitful and it's in sin. It is unrighteous. It is separated from God. But now in Christ, we've been made new and we put on the new. And it's sparkling clean. In fact, the scriptures say it's in the image of God. We start to take on righteous character. We start to obey and live like Christ. You know what else is interesting about minor leaguers who make it to the majors? Do you think there's any chance that they want to go back? Go back to the bus. Go back to the McDonald's instead of the buffet that they get after every game. The coolers of Gatorade and everything ready at your, at your command. They don't want to go back. So why would we who are new in Christ go back to the old way? Put on the new self. Now I share this as an illustration. We now put on the new self and the old was corrupt and sinful. It was broken and it was dirty. And we now put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And so then Paul tells us in our passage that we've been the section uh, starting at verse 25. We're going to finish it up and get all the way to verse 32 this morning. But because we are new, we put away falsehood and we now speak truth. Because we are new in Christ, we do not allow anger to move us to sin. We do not hold on to our anger because we are new in Christ. Because we're new in Christ, our speech is no longer corrupt and wicked. Instead, it is graceful, edifying speech that builds up. Speech that encourages and builds up one another. We are made new, and so the Holy Spirit now lives within us, and we're not to grieve him by our words and by our actions. Do you see in our passage how this really is how we interact with each other? Do not speak falsehood. I also left out because we're new in Christ, we don't steal. We don't rob from each other. We don't rob from our neighbor. Instead, we work not for greed or selfish gain, but for the purpose of sharing with those who are in need. You see, we've been made new and we do things differently now that we're in Christ. And we do this through the Spirit who lives within us. And when we say no and when we go back to the old way, we are grieving the Holy Spirit who has sealed us until the day of redemption. And so we have lives and we want to have lives that are pleasing to God because He has saved us. And so today, we look at verses 31 and 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Today I want to finish up chapter 4 with a strong exhortation to all of us. And the exhortation is this, be kind and forgive. 
Now, Jeff has done a fantastic job these past weeks of speaking on forgiveness. And so I want to really kind of focus on being kind. Sounds easy, doesn't it? Let's see how it goes. I want to start out by saying this. The most loving and kind acts that my family and I have, have uh, experienced have either come from our, within our own family, from our parents, my in-laws. It's come from Karen and my children to myself. Hopefully they've experienced kindness from me to them. I've received kindness from my brother and sister, my parents, and I'm thankful for the love and kindness that I've been shown really my whole life. I feel blessed. I've experienced so much kindness in my life from others. And you know what else? Within the church, my family and I, we've been so much, so, shown so much kindness through the years. Sometimes we don't always focus on that, but as I stop and think, I am overwhelmed with the kindness that God's people show to God's people. And we must continue on to do this. But we've had overwhelming kindness shown to us. You cannot believe how encouraging your notes are in hard times when you say you're praying. You're praying for us. I could probably get teary. You know, I'll, when you say that you're, some of you do a fantastic job praying for my children. Some of you have a special gift of encouraging my daughters. Thank you. It's amazing what that brings to my own heart. So much kindness, notes of encouragement. When you surprised and got tickets for the 49er game last year, I was overwhelmed. It was so kind of you. And I want to thank you for the kindness that we have experienced, great moments within our church. I can sadly say this too. <laughs> On the opposite, some of the most unkind moments that I've experienced in my life has been through church life. Not just here, but through growing up in church. It ought not be that way, should it? But it has been. If I'm honest, if I'm really sharing with you Sometimes the church has been more unkind than the world has been to me. And probably to you too. I'm not alone in this. But we're called to be kind. But I'm so thankful that much love and joy has been my overall experience. And by God's grace, the good has always outweighed the bad. But when wicked unkindness hits, it hits hard, doesn't it? We've all felt the unkindness of others, haven't we? It's awful. Our text today tells us what we must get rid of and what we must put away, what we must throw away and burn in the trash heap. And it's this, all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander along with all malice is to be put away and burnt Bitterness. It's kind of a funny word, isn't it? Any, ever, anyone ever eat anything bitter? Anyone ever like dare you to eat an unripe blackberry that was green? It's bitter, just so you know. I had an older brother say, hey, try this. Okay. And they did. In Acts 8, Peter tells Simon the magician this. 
Simon the magician, here's what he wanted. He wanted to buy the ability to give the Holy Spirit to others. He saw what the apostles were doing, laying on of hands, and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. It was a special time in church life, and they would do that. And Peter was doing that, and Simon goes, hey, how much will it cost me to receive this gift? I want to do this. Peter was not happy with his request. Peter said this to him, repent therefore of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you're in the gall of bitterness. What he's saying is I've seen that you're in the bile of bitterness. You're in the backwash of your stomach of bitterness. And that really is a good word to show bitterness. Bitterness destroys. Bitterness doesn't taste good. Bitterness makes blah. I don't know how else to put it, but we know this. It's that awful taste that you can't get rid of. Bitterness, you see, flows from a heart that is not right with God. Did you know that bitterness is a primary characteristic of an unregenerate and unsaved person? Romans 3 says this. It says this, that their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. In Deuteronomy 29, in Hebrews 12, quotes that and shows and points to it. It warns against the bitterness and describes the root of bitterness or the bitter person as a contagious poison spreading his resentment to others. What would happen if you had a nice glass of water and you started adding a little vinegar to it? Would that be tasty? No. You see, the bitter person is described as a poison that spreads. A contagious poison. And bitterness is indeed that. It indeed is indeed a contagious poison. The bitter person loves to spread their bitterness. Don't believe me? Subscribe to Twitter and read the continuous complaints. There isn't a person in this room who has not felt the sting or pain caused by one who was bitter and then spent their time and their energy spreading the bitterness to others. I believe the Holy Spirit may have inspired Paul. I don't know this for a fact. This is just my thoughts but I believe the Holy Spirit may have inspired Paul to place bitterness at the front of this list. And I think that's the reason because it so often is the heart attitude that leads to the other sins. It's the heart attitude that leads to the other sins that we are instructed to put off or put away. We know this to be true. Bitterness often leads to wrath, anger, clamor, and slander. And malice. Bitterness brings festering anger and indignant, indignant outbursts. Bitterness can bring public shouting and abusive speech and language. I just mentioned Twitter. I think we also in these days can add that we sin in these ways by a, via social media or texting to others. Wrath, anger, slander. Well, what is wrath? Wrath is violent anger or vehement exasperation indignation. Remember when Paul said, be angry and do not sin? We studied that a few weeks ago. Wrath is the sin that anger produces. Your anger unleashed. Wrath is the sin brought forth by anger. Bitterness festers and you develop an angry and bitter heart. 
and you let it rip in an avalanche of bitter, angry sin. You ever been wrathful? I have. You ever exploded? I go along and then and you elevate, and boom. You ever thrown anything? I've thrown instructions before, trying to build something. I get upset, because I'm awful at it. And I gotta take my glasses off now and try to read it, and the print's too small, and I just get so frustrated. I get angry, and I lash out. You ever grow bitter at your commute? I'm commuting to San Jose. I, I, I say this for myself. I think yesterday I called the driver an idiot. I'm about to preach this. Isn't that great? I know I'm not alone. This is what God is doing in us. The Holy Spirit in us, it convicts us and it shows us about our bitterness. It shows what we're holding on to. It shows us our anger and we're to put it off. We are the people of God. We're not to be angry and then lash out in wrath. We can develop a resentful attitude towards others so easily, can't we? You ever find yourself, again, I'm preaching to myself, when we resent others' blessings or success? Have you developed a resentful attitude to those who make decisions we don't agree with. We grow bitter when things aren't done the way we wish they'd be done. And then we allow bitterness to fester within and not produce righteous actions. Instead, we have to tell people what we don't like about what's been done in any organization at work, here at, here at church, in any organization that you're a part at. I don't like that. And bitterness sets in. And then you have the need to tell 50 other people and get on the phone and post Facebook ads. And uh, The next thing we know, our bitterness is spreading. When the person next to you had no clue and they were happy. That's what bitterness does. We act out in our anger and we spread disease. The disease of self, the disease of discontentment. It must be put away. When we allow bitterness to fester within us, it is not ever going to produce righteousness. And along with wrath and anger, Paul also lists clamor and slander. Clamor is the loud self-assertion of the angry man who will make everyone hear his grievance. It's similar to the word railing. You ever hear that? It's not used a whole lot, but man, he was railing against me. Man, he was railing against that. The word railing, though, is when the railer will hunt down his enemy and throw down abuse and insults. I'm going to search him down. I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. Clamor, the loudest self-assertion of the angry man who's going to make sure everybody knows what he's upset about. And then slander. This is the false tale the report maliciously uttered. Slander is sharing information that is meant to injure the reputation of another. We've all been guilty of that. Sometimes we think we're being funny, poking fun at someone else's troubles or weakness. 
It's not to be that way. I've heard someone say that anything you say about someone, if they're not there, is always sin. It's really the maliciousness that we're talking about. You can compliment someone and give praise to someone who is not there and is not sin. But always be careful when you're speaking of someone who isn't present. I think that's just wise. Because how quickly, even we can heap praise, but the next person go, really? I don't think that. Boy, isn't it so easy just to get on a rabbit trail and start talking about people? It really is. This is what Paul is talking about. This is not what we do. That's part of the old way. If we speak of others, we speak edifying, graceful, encouraging words. And we do not slander. Malice. Malice is this. It's ill will. It's wishing evil upon others. It's the desire for revenge. It's a disposition to injure others for personal gratification or revenge. And so bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, malice. This isn't a good list. This is a really, really bad list. And these are to be put away, to be put off. These are not the uniform of a Christian. This is the clothes of those who are dead in sin. And let me tell you, is the world kind? Let me tell you about our political atmosphere right now. It is not kind. Kindness is, is gone. This is not a kind world. And so we have the opportunity as the people of God to be salt and light in a way that is amazing. Because when we are kind, let me tell you, we are distinctly different than the world. Kindness is awesome. We are called to be kind. Put off that junk. Be kind instead. Be kind. Kindness is amazing, but kindness is much too rare. But we who are in Christ are commanded to be kind, tender-hearted, and forgiving. All right, some of you hate when I do this, but I'm sorry. Kind of. On the count of three, I want you to do this. Think of the most kind person you've ever known. One, two, three. You have someone in mind? You know who I had? I did this myself. As a kid, I loved going to my grandparents' house. Loved it. My best memories in life are linked to both sets of my grandparents and Karen's grandparents, too. We were blessed to have them for so many years, even into adulthood and marriage. Why did I like going to grandma and grandpa's house? What do you think? Kindness. Love. Grandma's house was filled with my favorite people and my favorite food. At grandma and grandpa's house, I could have soda. Grandma had a candy dish with that hard butterscotch candies, right? And caramels. Grandma's house was awesome. Grandma made hot dogs for lunch with Lay's potato chips. And we always had dessert, even at lunch. Ice cream was available at grandma and grandpa's house. We'd play games. We'd play cards. We'd watch movies or slides of my parents when they, were, when they were kids, and we'd laugh. Look at dad as a baby. Look at my mom when she was a teenager. Wow, that's weird, you know, when you're a kid. 
But we loved going to grandma and grandpa's house. It was a place of kindness and love. We couldn't wait to go there. My grandpa knew I loved volcanoes when I was a little kid. So when he would go to Hawaii, my grandpa and grandma went to Hawaii a lot. They, they lived there pretty much in the winter. One time he came back with slides that he had picked, bought of lava flows. Can you imagine like a 10-year-old kid, I get to see hot lava slides? I know, now we're like in the whole, hey, YouTube it. Not back then, it was like, you know, that's how we would watch stuff. And I loved it. Grandpa, bring out the slide projector. I want to see the lava. You, again? I promise you, I'm sure he was regretting the day he bought them. Yes, again. Okay. And out of kindness, my grandparents showered me and my siblings with love and kindness and gifts and encouragement. Being a grandparent must be awesome. You don't really have to deal with the you know, spanking and discipline and you get to send them away when they get a little cranky. And all you can do is like brag about them and it's a pretty good thing. Do you think I ever dreaded going to grandma and grandpa's house? Never. It was a place of kindness and love. Now that's just a human illustration, right? What does God's word say? Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as who? God in Christ has forgiven you. Grandma and grandpa were kind. But God, the Father, is the ultimate picture of kindness. Because he sent Jesus. See, we're told, be kind to one another. We are called to love one another. There are no exceptions. The child of God will love the people of God. We must be kind. Scripture is crystal clear on this. We are called to love one another. 1 John 4, 7, verse 8 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Turn with, to, me, to Romans 13. I've been waiting to share this passage with you over the last couple weeks. Starting at verse 8 of Romans 13. Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you should not commit adultery, you shall not murder you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. Now look what Paul exhorts. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep Church, we need to awake up, awake from our sleep. Why? For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. Jesus is coming soon. The end result of our salvation is nearer. The night is far gone. 
The day is at hand. So then, let us, look at the language, cast off. Sound familiar? To put away and put off? Let us cast off the works of darkness, lying, stealing, abusive speech, anger, bitterness, wrath, clamor, right? Cast that off. They're the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, nor in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy. What produces quarreling and jealousy? Bitterness and anger. Put it off. But, look at the language here, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. My friends, if we want to make a provision for the flesh, hold on to your bitterness. And don't forgive. We must be people who forgive. We must be people who are not bitter. Do you understand that bitterness is saying that you know better than God about your circumstances? And he is the blessed controller of all things. Boy, we go through hard times, don't we? We do. And sometimes we question our sovereign God. But we need to be people as we sang today and say, it is well with my soul. Because we have a sovereign God. You see, when we allow bitterness to take hold, we are making a huge provision for the flesh. We are giving an avenue for sin to take hold. How I wish the church, our church, the church universal would practice removing bitterness and anger and wrath and slander and in its place put on kindness and forgiveness. Here at Grace Bible Church, and again, so much kindness. Let's continue by the power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit to continue on in this. Let us be a kind people. Let us be a people known for kindness, known for forgiveness. Why? Because kindness and forgiveness is based on the depth of God's kindness and forgiveness that he has shown us. We have no reason not to forgive anyone because we have been forgiven so much. We have no reason not to be kind because God has lavished his love and his kindness upon us. We have experienced love like no other from God the Father. Here's a question for you. According to the scriptures, what brought you to repentance? Anyone know? God's kindness. Romans 2.4. It is God's kindness that has brought you to repentance. Amen? Scripture says this, but when the kindness of our God and Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us. Kindness. Psalm 145. And I'm, I'm just hitting a small section of Scripture. This flows from Scripture. If you read the Bible and you can't find the kindness of God, you're not reading it. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and great in faithful love. You've heard me say this before, but you've heard me say, some people say the God of the Old Testament was the angry, wrathful God. The God of the New Testament is the God of love. No, God is God, 
And here David in the Old Testament is saying, the Lord is gracious and compassionate. Mercy is shown throughout the Old Testament. Pictures of mercy, the sacrifice, the pictures of Christ flows from Genesis to Malachi. God is God. And by the way, God is wrathful today. He is, as then, withholding it. But the day will come when he will return and he will judge the nations. Don't be fooled. He is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and great and faithful love. You know how I know he's slow to anger? We're still here. He's still saving people. Isn't that awesome? You have someone you love who doesn't know Christ yet? Praise God that we're still breathing. That he hasn't poured out his wrath yet. He's giving them time. He's giving them opportunity. He's giving you opportunity to share the good news with people you don't even know yet how God will use you in the time that we've been given. If you considered our sins, O Lord, who would stand but with you there is forgiveness so that you may be worshiped, that you may be revered. And then our text, God forgave us in Christ. God is kind, God is forgiving, and we are to imitate him. And we're gonna see that next week. In fact, in Ephesians, if you look, I'm not gonna get too far ahead of myself, but the chapters, you know, you know man made up the chapter breaks, are you aware of that? I think it's a bad one in chapter 5. Because it says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, what's the therefore for? Right? Remember? When you see a therefore, what do you do? Ask what it's there for. And the therefore points back. God is kind. God is forgiving. Therefore, be imitators of God. And in the next weeks, we're going to see what it means to be an imitator of God. Now, that is an amazing statement right there, isn't it? I'm getting ahead of myself because I'm excited about that too. So, should be excited about where you are, but we got to get excited about where we're going to be. It's just me talking to myself. Put the brakes on. Let's not go there yet. Be kind. Be forgiving. Well, I want to share a few ways that I believe we can be kind in ways the church, our church and other churches can be kind. Maybe you'll disagree with me. This is just my own heart speaking. Just take it for, for what it is. And there's just some things in the church universal, in the blogs, Twitter, that kind of bother me. And I'm just not sure it's the best picture of Christ in the church that we should be proclaiming. So can I share this? If a church proclaims salvation by grace alone, in faith alone, through Christ alone, let us be a people who are kind when it comes to our differences of doctrine. The ones that don't matter. Do we contend for the gospel? Absolutely. But let's contend in kindness. How do we do that? Proclaim the gospel. When we gather, let's do our best as our church to go to God's word and say, what does God's word say? But do we need to be mean toward those who we differ with? I know this is my opinion alone, 
but I'm sometimes grieved and saddened that we're not very kind to our charismatic brothers and sisters. Man, I debated saying that or not. Our corner of evangelicalism, I think, oftentimes paints with too wide a brush. Not all Pentecostals and not all Charismatics believe in the prosperity gospel. Not all of them believe in angels falling from the ceilings. Many, many of them love Jesus. And if you ask them how a man is saved, how a person is saved, they will give you the gospel. And they love Christ. Let's be kind. Yes, they worship different than I, us, don't they? We steal all their songs. They just worship different. But not all of them believe in health and wealth or the prosperity gospel. I think there's room for us to be kinder. Yes, contend for what we believe. In kindness, there is room for dialogue. There is room to discuss. We have differences. Another one. Not everyone is a five-point Calvinist. Let's be kind. Let's discuss doctrine, but let's be kind. We get fired up. We start pronouncing who's right and who's wrong. We need to be careful because the picture that we're giving in Scripture is God is kind. And we're to be loving. Not at the sake where we compromise, but here's the deal. We are responsible for what we have in our walls. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to move and guide other churches before we lash out. He'll do the work. Trust the sovereign God. Be careful speaking ill about other churches and other ministries. That's all I'll say on that. And I just said it. I trust the Holy Spirit to guide and direct our interactions with those who we differ with doctrinally. Now, there are major ones. A cult is a cult. One who denies the deity of Christ. The ones that we have to die on, we will say till we die, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is God. Jesus rose from the dead. How one baptizes, we will immerse here. It's what we believe. But we're not going to make jokes and say, oh, they spit on children's heads. I've seen that happen. It angers me. I think it's a righteous anger. They're not dummies. They just believe differently. Let's be kind. And let's believe what we believe and hold firm to what we believe. I'm not saying to compromise. Have I said that like five times now? I get nervous. Some people have hills they really like to die on, and so I'm just trying to tread nicely. Let's be kind to one another by holding our tongues. We don't always have to argue our opinion. We don't always have to give an opinion. Be sensitive to the moment when people share something with you. Let us be a people who pray before we speak. Do you know how kind that is? If we prayed before we talked, I think that would quench anger, wouldn't it? It would quench our need to be right. It would quench our pride. Let's be purposeful about the words that leave our lips. 
Let us be a people who follow the scriptures when we find someone in sin. Look how scripture says we're to confront when we find someone who's caught in a sin. Galatians 6. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should take him out back and beat him. Make him feel stupid. Tell him he's an idiot. Is that what it says? Be harsh. No. Brothers, if anyone is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness, kindness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Be kind. Be kind. You know, it's easy to be kind when things are good, isn't it? I don't know about you, but my family really hasn't ever had a major explosion on Christmas Day. Christmas Day is a pretty kind day in the house of the First Brooks. Everyone's happy. Prime ribs on the, on the smoker, getting ready to go, sitting there for like nine hours. Presents have been given, there's food everywhere. Kids are playing with toys. The girls are looking at the new clothes, whatever it might be. We're waiting for everyone to come over. We're all kind to each other on Christmas. How come? It's easy on Christmas. It's Christmas. It's a great day. Some would say the best day of the year. Do you know we just went to the world's largest Christmas store? Oh, what a nightmare. The girls loved it. I was like, all right, I've seen it. And I can't believe I'm listening to Christmas carols in August. This is driving me crazy. But we love Christmas. Everyone's happy. You know, there are moments in churches, everyone's happy, good growth, building's full, five services. Maybe we should move to Saturday. This is great. Uh Uh-oh. New pastor comes. Change happens. I don't like the change. Letters start being written. Phone calls happen. I'm not happy. And then unhappiness spreads. Someone who is happy becomes unhappy. The unhappy become even more unhappy. There are hard times. People, I'm telling you, we are getting a new pastor. It sounds great. And we will have a good first year. Change and different will happen. When you're not happy with something that changes, be kind. Be kind. I guarantee you, whoever we bring in will love Jesus and will love God's word. We'll share the gospel. We'll preach God's word. We are committed to finding someone who lines up with what we believe. But it might not be your cup of tea. Be kind. Sounds easy. It's hard. But we have the Holy Spirit working within us, don't we? We are called to be kind. We're called to be forgiving. And by God's grace... Let us realize that it's difficult and we need God's grace. If we try to do it ourselves, we're in trouble. I know that from my own experience. I can't do this alone. I need to have my eyes fixed and focused on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And then we endure with each other 
and we're kind and we forgive. Amen? All right, I trust God's word will speak to your hearts and it's a lot to think on, isn't it? Although it's a simple command that we've heard so many times, but I like it. Let's be a kind people and let's see what God does with the kind people, amen? All right, let's pray. And then we'll close in song. Gracious Father, I, I'm, I'm thinking as we've looked at your word, how kind you are to us. In these past months, we've been looking at this wonderful letter that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. And what you have done for us is an amazing, amazing, gracious thing. Your mercy, your love, your grace has absolutely taken our lives and it's taken us from death into life from being an orphan to being your child, to being under wrath, to being one who now sits with you in heaven. We're your children. We have an inheritance coming from you. We belong to you. We belong to Jesus. You are so kind. Father, you have forgiven all of us so many, many sins. And so, Father, may we be a people who live daily as kind people to all we come in contact with. May we reflect your kindness in all that we say and all that we do. Father, may your spirit really empower this church, this body of believers to be a church known for their kindness, who are quick to say, let me tell you how great Jesus is and how kind he is and how he died for our sins. May your kindness fuel our worship. May we be people who are gracious and loving because of all you've done for us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this letter and this book that we're studying. Thank you for how it's challenging me to be more like you and to have a life that is pleasing to you, not by my own power, but by your grace and by the power of your spirit who lives within us. Father, May we be people who put off the wickedness of the old and we put on the new, which is in your image, which produces true righteousness and holiness. In your name we pray, amen.